Oh, we trust the Lord and, and get saved this morning. And uh, so we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Can't have anything better happen on Sunday than for somebody to trust the Lord and be saved. Uh, we thank the Lord for those that have been saved in recent days. And I think we had about 10 who was going to get baptized uh, today. Uh, but uh, we'll get them. Uh, amen. Lord willing. Uh, all right. Turn to uh, St. Mark. Chapter 5 this morning, St. Mark chapter 5 for a few minutes today, and we want to read about the uh, maniac of Gadara, uh, it's also recorded in uh, Matthew 8 and in Luke 8, and uh, both of them adding a little bit that maybe others didn't, And uh, but we're going to look at Mark's account, uh, it's the most detailed account this morning, and uh, the Bible said, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, and tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjourn thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine that we may enter in unto them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion setting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. And they, saw, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed to him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Thank you, be seated. Father, we come this morning, we... We thank You, Lord, for the blessings already of the morning as we have already praised the Lord for at different times. And uh, Father, we come now 
and uh, Lord for the preaching of the Word of God. We come to this uh, portion in God's Word that You've led us to. We feel impressed to preach from today. We ask the Lord to be our helper today. Lord, You know our need. You always know who's going to be here before they get here. And uh, Lord, You know what the needs are today. I don't. But Lord, when You lead us to a specific passage in the Word of God, we know that somebody's need is there in that Word and we pray that God will speak to us today. And uh, Lord, we might see somebody, Lord, have their need met today. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the church. Thank You for Your people. And Lord, thank You for saving sinners. And we give You the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The scene we see here has become something at one point in time that we might have had a hard time understanding uh, to see a man like this uh, in the condition and the shape that this man uh, is in when the Lord finds him. Now, we don't know too much about this man. Uh, we don't know what his parents' names were. We know he had some. Everybody has parents. And we don't know what their names were. We do know that he had some friends because the Bible tells him after he gets right, the Bible tells him to go back home and tell his friends what great things the Lord has done for him. We do know where home is. We know where his hometown is. We know it's the Decapolis where the Bible said that he departed and went back uh, to Decapolis. And uh, so we know that's where he was from. Now as I read this uh, verses that I've read today, uh, you probably may not have noticed, but I'll point them out today uh, as we preach. Uh, there are four people that is mentioned in the life of this one man. Four people are mentioned in the Scriptures that we read. And all of them did something for him. Some good, some bad. And uh, I want to preach this morning what four did for one. What four people did for one. Well, the first one we see this morning that is in this man's life is in verse 2 where the Bible said, There met Jesus, met He out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So the first thing we see in this man's life is we see Satan himself. And Satan has somehow or another got a part of this man's life. Now, the devil, he desires all of us. Uh, there are specific people in the Bible that uh, the Bible said the devil desired to have them, like Job, uh, like the Apostle Peter, uh, where the Bible said Jesus told him, Simon hath desired to have thee. But really there's no human being born on the face of this earth that the devil doesn't desire to have them. Amen. Now, the Bible doesn't say devil here in this particular passage. But it said that he, he was, uh, had an unclean spirit. And uh, we know our King James Bible uh, that it uses the word devils. And uh, we know that there's one main devil. Uh, we can read about where he come from, why he's what he is in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and what he's going to do in Revelations 12. But we know that that one devil... He has a lot of devils uh, that help him do his work. Amen. Uh, 
Somewhere or another they got into this man's life. Now the human body can become a billboard of what the devil can do in a person's life. We see a lot of that in our day and our time. Pull up to drive through Wonder, walking through the mall, and uh, you see a lot of a lot of people that the things they've done to their body is just not normal. Uh, really, they've took something that God made to be beautiful and they perverted it. Well, sin always uh, perverts. Uh, uh, sin never beautifies anything; it always makes it look worse. The Bible says that this man had an unclean spirit. Uh, you say, what's an unclean spirit? Well, it's just a spirit unclean. And uh, it would major on a lot of different things. And what it done for this man was it defiled him. You see, the devil seeks to defile you and he seeks to defile me. Amen. He had an unclean spirit. I suppose that if you got around him, uh, that verbally his speech would be unclean. Uh, I've got around folks that, uh, that every word out of their mouth, and you've heard people like that, every word out of their mouth, they seem to have a very limited vocabulary. And uh, every word out of their mouth is something filthy. And I've heard just old sinners, you know, with a filthy mouth, but then I've heard people that it goes beyond that. Uh, uh, there's something more than, than just that, amen. Uh, uh, but I suppose that this man was defiled uh, verbally. I suppose he was defiled uh, uh, mentally, amen. Uh, I believe the days preceding Noah's day, I believe that there were a lot of demon-possessed people. And Jesus said, as it was uh, in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming uh, of the Son of Man. And I think we have a lot of things today that can only be explained uh, by demon possession. And uh, no doubt it affected him uh, mentally. Amen. Uh, the Bible said of that Andaluvian age, uh, uh, it said that God said it repents me that I've made man. Uh, I will destroy him off of the face of the earth. Uh, uh, for every thought uh, is evil uh, continually. Amen. Uh, uh, well, I don't think we've reached the noetic stage yet. I don't believe that everybody's every thought is continually evil. Uh, uh, but I believe we're getting close to that. Amen. Uh, uh, no doubt it affected this man uh, not only mentally and verbally, but this unclean spirit affected him physically. Amen. Uh, uh, he was just uh, just physically, he was unclean. Uh, uh, what the devil do for him, it defiled him. And then the devil demoralized him. The Bible said in verse 27 of Luke 8, it said this man would have devils uh, for a long time uh, and he wore no clothes. Uh, did you know that even a fallen man, fallen woman, uh, uh, did you know in their fallen state uh, uh, that they still got a little decency about them? Uh, we can see this in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sinned and they both realized they were naked, uh, Eve said, let us sow fig leaves together. Uh, uh, and uh, so they even had a little decency about them then. 
Uh, well, just an old lost person. Most people, whether they're saved or not saved, uh, uh, they usually don't want people to see them without any clothes on. Uh, even a person like that will run away or they'll uh, cover up or they'll, uh, they'll say, I- I'm going to have to come back in a minute and get some clothes on. Uh, but when a person is demon-possessed and demoralized by the devil, uh, the Bible said here that they wore no clothes. Amen. Uh, uh, one of the signs of, uh, of a lot of demonic activity in our society is the fact of how little clothes that people wear uh, in our kind of a day. Amen. But not only that, but you see, not only was he defiled and demoralized, but he was demonized. Uh, uh, you see, the Bible said that he had his dwelling. Uh, the Bible said that he asked him, what's your name? And he said, my name's Legion. Because we're many. We're many. In other words, in other words, there were more than one in there. You see, the devil is never satisfied. The devil is never satisfied to be in the house. Uh, he wants to run the house. Amen. That's why the Bible said, "Give no place to the devil." Uh, we know what the Bible said, and it's talking about the nation of Israel. But I believe it's true in any in an individual. The Bible said in Matthew twelve and verse forty three, Jesus said. Uh, that when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, uh, he walketh through dry places and seeking rest. Uh, uh, but said then he returns uh, and brings with him twelve more uh, worse than, and his last state is worse than the beginning. Uh, you can never show me one person, one person uh, that the devil leaves better off. They always grow worse. You and I have watched family sometimes, friends, loved ones, people in our neighborhood, and we watch them as they drift toward the devil gets a hold in their life, uh, and they just get worse and worse and worse. Did you ever notice that one person's not enough? They got to have one's not enough. They got to have fifteen or twenty. Amen. Did you ever notice that most of the time one tattoo is not enough? Especially in people who don't know the Lord, they've got to be covered in them. Amen. Did you ever notice that whatever people are doing, they can never, never stop at one. Someone said, just take one drink. You can't stop there. Somebody said, just take one pill. You won't stop there. You see, the devil is never satisfied until he has everything. He's not just satisfied to get your husband. He wants the whole family. Amen? The devil is going far off. What did the devil do for this man? Absolutely nothing. He made him worse. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you're following the devil and you don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you that the only thing he's going to do for you is make you worse and put your soul in eternal hell forever and ever and ever and ever. That's all he can do for you. But he wasn't the only one there. 
The Bible said in verse 14, Then they went out to see what it was that was done. We see society. Not just Satan, but we see society and what they did for him. Well, we do know this, and, and there's folks that, that really know how hard it is to deal with somebody uh, that's not saved, somebody controlled by uh, drugs, and certainly somebody that's controlled by evil spirits. Uh, uh, we all know that it's hard to deal with people like that. Amen? Uh, to say the least. Uh, but we know they did try. They tried. We'll give them that. Amen? There's people in society that want to help you today and want to help people that need help. There's people in society that want to do it. You say, what did they do for him? Well, the Bible said in verse 4 that they had tried to tame him. Amen? They tried to tame him. They tried to get him under control. They, they, they tried to somehow or another to get this wild man tamed down. Uh, the Bible said they tried, but no man could tame him. Amen. Uh, can I tell you, I thank God for, you know, everybody that tries to help somebody. You say, how did they try to tame him? Well, the Bible doesn't say, but uh, maybe maybe they tried through uh, psychiatric care, psychiatrists. Maybe they tried carrying them to them. Amen. Well, there may be some that can help. I don't know any, but there may be some. And uh, and I've watched people that went to church and and know the Lord, and and I've watched them as they they would go or they'd take their kids and. They would pay five or six hundred dollars an hour for uh, to lay on somebody's couch and them to dive into them and dig out all the dirt in them and bring out all the dirt in them and even make up some dirt sometimes. Uh, God don't work that way. God don't dig up all the dirt. God helps you get rid of the dirt. Amen. Uh, God don't try to get you to blame your mama or blame your daddy. Uh, God just helps you to realize your problem is a sin problem. Uh, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, and we all have a sin nature. Amen. We're born with a sin nature. Amen. They tried to tame him. Maybe they used some pills. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe they, maybe they put him in prison. But sometimes that may be the only resort and the only thing society knows to do. But in this man's case, it didn't help him that much. Not only did they try to tame him, but the Bible said they tried to bind him. Amen. They tried to tie him up. They, they tried to uh, fix it where that he couldn't go nowhere and he couldn't do anything. But the Bible said that didn't work. Said, uh, the Bible said no man could bind him. He was always breaking loose. Amen. Uh, even though society tried to help him, they, they didn't really do all that good with him. Amen. Uh, uh, you know, I was listening this week. You probably heard it too. I've seen it a couple of times. But a man named Sanders that killed his fishing buddy because he, he thought that Bigfoot he thought that his fishing buddy had uh, summoned Bigfoot to kill him, so he killed his fishing buddy. Amen. A lot of bats in the belfry, amen. Yeah. 
Not everybody's Happy Meal comes with fries. There is a man that is somewhat controlled, amen, by the devil. He's hearing voices and it ain't God. Probably, probably on pills, probably, probably been to a psychiatrist. If he ain't, I'm sure he's headed there now, amen. Now, I don't think he's going to get off on that. Amen. But here's a man that society's trying to help. And I know we got all these programs. We got uh, AA and uh, we got drug houses and things like that. And I thank God for every one of them. And every one of them may help to a certain degree. But until you get to the real problem, things will not never get better. So what society do? They tried to tame him. What did society do? They tried to bind him. What did society do? In the long run, they forsook him. They gave up. Now I'll say this, and I've preached in and out of jails and visited in and out of jails. And I'll say this, if you've got a mama that loves you and a mama that knows God, they'll stay with you as long as anybody else does. I've been down to the jailhouse and I remember going seeing an old boy there. I knew him. He'd been in and out of drugs, in and out of jail a million times. And I'm waiting in there to get okay to go back in to, to the jail. And the boy and his mother sitting there and he's talking through a window. And I'm thinking, that mother, how many times has she been through this? How many times has she thought everything's going to be better only to grow worse. I, and I thought, I don't know why she even tries. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, because it's her boy. Yeah. Amen. It, listen, there's a mother's love that will stay with you as long as anybody's. But I want you to know that society in itself, after a while, oh, they'll give you two or three tries, but after a while they'll forsake you. They'll give up on you. But I come to tell you about one this morning that won't give up on you, one that won't never forsake you. And his name's Jesus. And he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Amen. I thank God we know somebody like that this morning. So I see Satan. What'd he do for him? Nothing. I seen society. What'd they do for him? Well, they tried to do what they could, but it wound up nothing. We see then the Bible said in verse 5 that this man was crying and cutting himself. He's crying and cutting himself. Well, we see Satan in the picture. We see society in the picture. But we can't leave his own self out. We all have some responsibility our own self. Amen. There are some things that we have to do. Somebody said you can't help nobody that don't want to help theirself, and I've found that to be absolutely 100% true. Amen. Until a person wants some help, you can't really help that individual. And I see this man here, and though the devil's a great enemy, though society's a great enemy, it is true what we often say that our worst enemy is our own self. Amen. Because Satan cannot do anything that we don't allow him to do. Society cannot help us if we won't allow society to help us. Amen. And so here's a man, and no doubt he's his worst enemy. I don't know anything about him other than I know what the Bible says here. And I, I do know this. I know he hadn't always been this way. 
I don't think he was that way when he was five years old. We was out door knocking. Last time we went door knocking, Brother, knock, Brother Mike knocked on the door and a guy come to the door and, uh, and Brother Mike said, he want to talk to you about the Lord. And he said, I'm atheist. And Brother Mike very wisely said, well, you hadn't always been an atheist. And he said, yes, I have. Well, that wasn't true. Amen. Even the devil's too smart to be an atheist. Bible said the devil believes in God and trembles. I mean, the devil's smart enough to know there's a God. He ought to know. He throwed him out of heaven. Amen. The Bible says that this man was often hurting himself. Oh, don't it hurt you to see somebody that's hurting herself? Amen. Somebody that's homeless, somebody just throwing their life away. I told a fellow one day, I said, here you are just throwing your life away and there's people in the hospitals and nursing homes and in, in, in society begging to live just one more day. Amen. Uh, uh, listen, life is a precious thing. Uh, uh, don't never just throw it away. Amen. Uh, uh, no, God gave you life. Without Him, you couldn't have it. In Him, we live, we move, we have our being. Uh, uh, if you're alive today, it's because of God. Uh, uh, he gave us life and He didn't give it to us just to throw it away. Uh, uh, you can do that if you want to. Uh, but that ain't what God wants you to do with your life. The Bible said He's always hurting Himself. Oh, I could just park there. Did you know you hurt yourself when you don't read and believe the Bible? Did you know you hurt yourself when you don't go regularly to the house of God? Do you know you hurt yourself when you don't have a prayer life? Do you know you hurt yourself when you turn people away that God sends to you to try to help you? You hurt yourself, amen. Oh, there's a lot of people that hurt themselves and they're not cutting themselves with stones. They're hurting themselves in a thousand other ways. But here was a man that was cutting himself. That's always a sign of a mental problem and 90% of the time demon possession. Cutting himself. Amen. You see people, we know he wasn't in his right mind because Jesus got him in his right mind. But people that cut themselves, they're not thinking right. Amen. I mean, I got a, I got a little place here somewhere, right there. I was trying to slice a tomato, and I did slice a tomato, but I got the end of my finger too. I didn't want to cut myself again. I'm worried to death about this cut. Trying to get it fixed, amen. Do I need to go to the emergency room, pour alcohol on it? What do I need to do, amen? You see, people in their right mind, they don't hurt themselves. They try to heal themselves. They try to help themselves, amen. But I, I've seen young people over 43 years. I've seen mostly young people. Uh, I remember one time they had me. I worked at the hospital as an orderly on weekends. And uh, I remember one time they got this crazy guy in there from over Monroe County. I just happened to remember where he's from. Uh, they, my job that day was to lock me up in the room with this crazy guy. And he'd cut his arms all up with razor blades and tried to kill himself. And 
And they locked me up in the room with him all day long. You say, what'd you do? Yes, sir, no, sir, amen. <laughs> but that man had mental problems. This man is hurting himself because he has mental problems. We see this man, he's up in the mountains. They probably drove him out of town. But he's up there hiding. Now you got to admit, there's something bad wrong upstairs with a man that lives in a graveyard. This man has his dwelling among the tombs. There's an old boy here in town, my heart goes out for him. He lost his mother. And you could go up there to the cemetery, I mean a hundred degrees, July, and that old boy's got his got his chair sitting there over his mother's grave, and he'll sit there for hours on end, every day. Broke my heart. I stopped one day on a Sunday evening, I stopped there, been over to my mother's grave, and I stopped there, and I rolled the window down, and I said, uh, is that some of your family? He said, my mother. My mother. I said, uh, I said, I notice you come up here a lot. He said, every day. I said, was your mother saved? Was your mother Christian? He said, oh yes. He said, my mother was saved. My mother knew the Lord. I said, well, I said, you know what? I said, if your mother knew the Lord and she is saved, she's not in that grave. He said, what do you mean? I said, she's with the Lord. The Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I, I invited him to church. Uh, invited him to church. He never did come. Uh, come close a couple of times. I sent him outside. But I see him a lot around town. I'll be eating dinner. And uh, there he is. And that old boy, he knew, I, he knew I had some love for him. He knew I cared about him. Because every time I see him, he'll speak to me. Amen. He'll talk to me some. And uh, every time I see him going up and down the road, he knows my truck now. Amen. Uh, uh, you say, what are you saying? Well, uh, that old boy, listen, he might have been doing something uh, unusual. But uh, as far as he knew, the last place he saw his mother was right there. And he felt the closest he could get to her would be right there. Amen. Uh, uh, but I'd like to see that old boy really get saved, get God in his heart, get the Lord, uh, and uh, get all that off of him, realize his mother ain't there, she's up there with the Lord, if she's saved, amen. Uh, but people like this, they, they, they hide their self. You watch people get on drugs real bad. I've watched them for years. They'll get down in a dark room in the basement and turn all the lights out, black out the windows. They won't, don't want no light. They, they don't want nobody to come around. I've been to their house, knocked on the door, and their parents had come to the door and come back and say they, they say they don't want to talk to nobody. You say, what is that? Well, that's what people do to their self. They're hurting their self. They're hiding their self from people that really care about them. Uh, uh, people that could help them, amen. Uh, that's what I'm saying. We see what he did for himself. But I want you to notice this here with me. Of course, Jesus came. And the Bible said in verse 6 that the old boy saw Jesus afar off and he ran and worshipped him. Now, I believe that old boy is doing the running, but watch right here now. I believe that old boy is doing the running, but I believe the demons are doing the talking in verse 7. And they cried with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjourn thee by God that thou 
Torment me not. Now, you'll notice that this man, he runs towards Jesus. Demons don't run to Jesus. Demons run the other way. You say, I don't believe that. Well, look at verse 9. He said, what's thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we're many, and he besought him much that he would not send them away under the country. Amen. Now, these demons, they don't, they don't want to, these demons, they don't want to deal with Jesus. They don't want to be around Jesus. Amen. But listen, thank God uh, for anybody that knows enough uh, to know when they see Jesus come, that Jesus can help them. Amen. Uh, that old boy runs toward Jesus. Uh, Speech is controlled by the devil. Amen. Well, we see Satan was in his life. What did he do for him? Made him worse. We see society in their life. What did he do? Well, they did what they could, but they just could only go so far. We see his self in his life. What did he do? He's destroying himself. He's hurting himself. He's his own self's worst enemy. But then we see Jesus. The Bible said, Mark 5 and 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea unto the country of the Gadarenes. That's Jesus. That's his disciples. That's the church, if you will. The church and Jesus, amen, He comes there to where He is. The great thing there is that Jesus came to where He was. But He didn't end there. Jesus came to where we are. Jesus came great is the mystery of God and is how that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, believed on in the world, preached unto the Gentiles, and received up unto glory. I'm glad Jesus came. I like that song Squire Parsons wrote, He came to me. Amen. I'm glad Jesus came, but I'm glad He just didn't come. I'm glad He didn't stop there. I'm glad He came and He died on an old rugged cross so that you and I might be saved. Thank God. Well, he came to Jesus. And the Bible said in verse 8, Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. The first thing Jesus did was he commanded the demons to come out. One thing you notice in this story stands out. Demons have to obey Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Bible said He commanded them to come out and they said, My name is Legion. Because we're many. There was a bunch of them in Him. Amen. He besought Him much that He would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there, there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And watch it all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine. You see, those devils didn't want a Jesus. It wasn't the devils that ran to him. No, that was that man's last straw, last hope. Amen. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and they were choked in the sea. Even a hog 
don't want to live anymore when they're full of the devil. Nobody, no wonder people commit suicide when the, when the devil is controlling their life. Even the hogs didn't want to live. They, they didn't even try any self-preservation. They run down the hill and they jumped into the sea and the Bible said they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, the people slopping the hogs, they went and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what was done and they come to Jesus and they see Him that was, I like that, that was possessed. Amen. I like it when you talk in them kind of terms. You know, so-and-so, he was a drunk. He was a drug addict. He was a homosexual. They was a lesbian. Amen. I like it when you put it in the terms what the Apostle Paul spoke, and he names all them sins, and he says, Such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you're clean. He cleansed him. Got the devil out of him. That's all some people need. They just need the devil got out of them. They'd be alright if you just get the devil out of them. Just bring them to Jesus and let Him get the devil out of them. They'd be alright. The Bible said, verse 15, not only did He clothe Him in verse 8, but in verse 15, or He cleansed Him in verse 8, but in verse 15 He clothed Him. You notice the first thing Jesus did is put some clothes on Him. Oh, I know it takes a while for people to grow in the Lord and, and to grow up and everything. But if you'll stay with the Lord and stay under Bible preaching, stay in a Holy Ghost church, God will get some clothes on you. Amen. 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 But here's the thing about it. Where do you get clothes in the middle of, of a mountain? There's no Walmart. There's no... Uh, Target. There's no, uh, what is the other one? Berkeley's. Say, so how do you know all them? I'm married, praise God. <laughs> Where do you get clothes? Well, the only answer there could possibly be is Jesus took off His outer garment and wrapped it around Him. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, that when we get saved, He cleanses us and He clothes us with a robe of righteousness. Amen. And thank God, I'm glad that Jesus does that. He clothed Him. Look at verse 15. He's in His right mind. He changed Him. It changed him. That's what makes a difference. You know where the mind is, it's inside. You see, you can take somebody like that and clean them up on the outside and buy a $500 suit and a $100 necktie and a $100 shirt and hang it on them on the outside, but they ain't no different. They're still the same on the inside. But Jesus, see, with Jesus, it's an inside job. With Jesus, He starts on the inside and works His way out. Amen. Oh, Brother Jack Laster, you talk about young converts that get saved and older people in the church that jump all over them because of their attire and their dress and what they're wearing. And somebody asked Jack about it one day, and Brother Jack said, Look, you can't, you can't clean fish till you catch them. Amen. And the Lord catches them, 
And He changes the inside. And when He changes the inside, it begins to work its way to the outside. I've watched it for 43 years. I've watched it. He changed Him. Got Him in His right mind. Here's the thing about it. Aren't people crazy? The Bible said they got Him in His right mind, got Him clothed, and they begged Jesus to get out of the country. Jesus done what nobody else could do, and they wanted Him to get out of the country. Amen. Listen, you don't have to worry about nobody that gets genuinely saved. They won't hurt you. Amen. They won't hurt you. He changed his mind. His thinking's different. You say, how do you know he's thinking different? I know he's in his right mind. You say, why? Because the Bible said he prayed to stay with Jesus. See, when you get in your right mind, you won't want to be, get away from church. You won't want to mess church. You won't want to not hear anything uh, preaching or anything like that. No, when you get in your right mind, you'll want to be around all that. Because you won't be close to where Jesus is. And then, uh, see, the man's life had no purpose. He's wasting his life day by day. He's doing nothing beneficial for anybody. So when Jesus came, He commissioned him. He gave him a purpose to live. That's what I like about getting saved. It gives you a purpose to live. Can I tell you this life that we're living, it makes absolutely no sense. There's things that you cannot explain with an explaining machine. There's things that you look at and you'll never figure out why. And really to just say it this way, this life just don't add up until you put the cross in the middle. And then it begins to add up. Why are we here? God made us. Why did God make us? That we might worship and praise God. Why are we here? So that we can get ready to go there. The cross is the only thing that makes any sense at all out of this life. Jesus gave him a a commission, a purpose. He said, all right. He said, Jesus, I want to be a missionary. I want to go with you. Jesus said, I'm going to let you be a missionary, but I want you to be a home missionary. And he said, I want you to go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you. You say, what happened to that old boy? He did that. You said, how do you know? Turn the page. And look in Mark 7. Sometime after this, Jesus, in verse 31, said again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, He came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. That's where this old boy went back to. And the Bible said they bring unto him one that is deaf and had an inspedient peach and they beseeched him to put his hands upon him and he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears. He spit on his tongue and uh, or spit on spit and he touched his tongue. He looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, He ratifeth that is to be open and straightway his ears were open. 
uh, the Bible said, how did these people know anything about Jesus? Uh, this old boy went back and told them about the great things uh, that God had done for him. <laughs> he now had a purpose. And he told them so much about Jesus when somebody said, Gee, they say Jesus is coming. Boy, they started getting all the folks that needed help and gathering them up and taking them to Jesus. Amen. Four people in this person's life and probably in your life, there's probably 400 people. A lot of them good. A lot of them your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, maybe a good friend, a good neighbor. Uh, could, we could go on and on and on. Thank God for all of them. But the one that make, can make the most difference is Jesus. When He comes into your life. He came into my life at 10 years old and, and uh, just like Chloe this morning. 10 years old, I asked the Lord into my life. And from 10 years old to 68 years old, he never has left me. He never has forsaken me. There's been times he hid his face from me. I couldn't find him. It's like a little girl got saved and she got up in the preacher's lap. She said, oh preacher, I feel so good. It's so good, preacher. Oh, it's so good. She said, will he ever leave me? He said, no, honey, it's forever. He'll never leave you, but if you sin, he'll hide his face from you for a little while. And I've had him to hide his face from me for a little while. But I sat out yesterday evening on the back porch in the rocking chair just sitting out there meditating, pondering and wondering where my life would be this morning if Jesus hadn't came into it at 10 years old. Well, there's no way of knowing that. But I do know this. It could never be as good. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He comes knocking on your heart's door this morning. And the best thing you can do is open it and say, Come in, Lord. He won't force His way in. He won't kick the door in. He won't, he won't even turn the doorknob. But He stands at the door and knocks. And if you'll open it, step in. Father, I thank You this morning. Lord, thank You for recording these things in the Bible. It 